genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one moment of hope at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And joining us again today is Father David Maurer. Hello. Hello. Oh, it's such a wait. Oh, 194 minutes. <laughs> right. Oh, it's just such a wait. Oh. We've got we've got oh. 50 more. Uh. <laughs> Easily, right? 240 minutes is roughly the the runtime of this movie yeah so we're getting there but this this yeah, frodo's face is is i mean this is just you guys right now you can see <laughs> yeah. the after movie from here and you're gonna go straight straight as you can but oh boy well there's yeah. a lot left to go yeah it's a whole lot of planes of four endings between <laughs> us and uh, but, but today we're talking about minute 194 which starts with frodo struggling out uh his line it's 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 such a weight to carry and ends with Frodo uh, sleeping very uneasily, kind of struggling and wheezing against the cold. Mm-hmm. Leaned up against Sam. Just poor, of course he is. poor Frodo. Yeah. But yeah, um, this there this minute opens up with this the shot of Frodo struggling with the weight of the ring, communicating to Sam just how bad this is. Uh, and then we get just this shot of Sam taking off his helmet that just feels like a hero shot. Mm. Just this moment of just showing Sam to be the 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 big deal here in this moment. <laughs> With the volcano oh, in the background. Sure. This fur collar just makes Sam look like such a like a bigger, stronger version of himself just for a second before the camera pulls out. This and fish kettle hanging off his belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the camera pulls out and he points the sword and you can see that he's breathing heavy and struggling too. But for just a moment, he is just this this hopeful hero against the backdrop of Mordor. And I think it's a really little real like tiny nuanced thing in that that shot and this scene mm. with the two of them. Yeah, it's the, that's what Sam represents for Frodo in a lot of right. ways, is is hope, is the the drive to go on. That's right. what Sam is for Frodo. That's what Sam has become. It starts off just as stubborn perseverance. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't you leave him, Sam? Mm-hmm. And and I don't mean to. And he's just he's just going to stick with Frodo through thick and thin. And now that continuous presence, the untiring support that Sam gives Frodo, becomes something that Frodo can rely on. Uh, whereas at the end of Fellowship, it was something that Frodo couldn't bear to take with him. I can't bring Sam into this. It, it, it's just it's going to be too dangerous for Sam. If he had followed through on that and gotten away just five minutes earlier, he would not have made it as far as he had. Without Sam, mm-hmm. Frodo would have failed, I think, even before he got to Kirith Ungol. Yeah, Gollum would have caught him the his first night on the edge of the Dead Marshes or, or right. before the... Before the the crags, I can't remember what the name of that place is, where all the the sharp rocks are. I'm blanking. Yeah, no, I, right. I would here's, I would have to go back and look. Here's my Lord of the Rings card. I'm I'm turning it in. I no longer deserve this nerd card. Oh, sorry, that's fine. Like, I I forget the forget proper names, names of all the time. Constantly. 
and our our space is not such that I want to keep a book in front of me to be flipping through under the microphone constantly. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, so now Sam has become a source of strength and hope because he's persevering, not because he's just going to do what he's told, but because he believes in Frodo, even when Frodo doesn't believe in himself. Yeah, he has this absolute devotion to Frodo. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love the hero shot that he gets here. We this because now the movie shifts. Now Sam becomes the hero. Yeah. He is going to be the one to get Frodo the rest of the way there. Now we had that spark of agency with Frodo starting the fight with Sam, uh, with you know just under Jerry's. Well, I was going to say nose, but that would be insensitive. <laughs> gosh, and now Frodo is is totally reliant on Sam, and it's really great to see the transformation of Sam's character to become this reliable hero as someone worthy of the kinds of stories that Sam loves. Now Sam, without even thinking about it, has become a hero and is going to become part of a story that's told for generations to come. Right. This is He's become Samwise the Brave ever since he took Sting and the ring from Frodo and went up the stairs in Kirith Uncle. Mm. Right. Aww. Sam. Yep. Master Samwise. <laughs> but yeah, I like I like the shot uh of Sam pointing the sword at, at Mount Doom, and then he says there's no sense in carrying anything we don't need. And Peter Jackson laments that they didn't spend more time to show just a little bit of Sam agonizing over throwing his pans away. Yeah, I feel bad. Which is yeah. a which is a which is a thing in the book that I really like. Uh, that he he really laments having to get rid of his pots and pans. He loves those pots and pans. Because I think yeah, we have a whole paragraph of of Sam just about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and oh, I love that line in the book where he the they go down with a clatter and they were like a death knell to Sam's heart. Aww. Yeah, and then because we... it's it's a it's a detachment from the comforts of home. Mm-hmm. Sam remains yeah. a hobbit, and so he remains attached to the good things of life. You know, a simple home cooked meal, and how delightful those those conies were with the potatoes. And <laughs> to get rid of that now in Mordor is a real denial of what he's left behind. He has to cast away even reminders of the Shire. Mm-hmm. Right. This is this is the first like the first real sign that Sam is really starting to understand that there might not be a way home. This is mm-hmm. in a movie. This is like a nice visual way to do it. The way it reads on the page is more about his sentimental connection to the pans. But in a movie, mm-hmm. this is more of visual shorthand for Sam just kind of shrugging off this, this belief that they're going to get home. He believes that they're going to get the job done. He believes that they're going to defeat the evil but I think throwing away the pans is also shorthand for Sam understanding that they might not make it home now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this entire time, like he's been like rationing the food and the water, yep. and and Frodo's like, "Why are you doing that?" And Sam's we like, "Well, for the enough. return, the return journey." Yeah, Duh. this is Sam giving up on that. Yeah, this is Sam mm-hmm. giving up on that and only worrying about getting Frodo to the mountain. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then we we go from that moment into this this scene with Frodo and Sam. Frodo is asleep and just kind of struggling and Sam is awake. Uh I do have a and note so about cold. this shot. Yeah, it's yeah. really cold. And that's real cold because the note I have about this minute oh. uh, on a technical level is one, this was directed by Fran. Of course it was. Uh, who didn't know she was going to direct it. 
uh, when when she saw the the list for the day. Uh, and oh. they reshot this after after shooting it uh, on location in the Northern Island. They shot this again later on a stage with some tweaks to the scene and then decided that the original was better. So they used the original in the movie. Nice. So they reshot it, but then ultimately didn't use the reshoot, which <laughs> probably doesn't happen all too much where they just totally don't use anything from a reshoot from a scene. Mm hmm. But it happened yeah. here, and then the 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 pan out where you see them kind of sitting there is a is a model that they've been digitally dropped into, when you can see them huddling around a little bit of light from the lava or whatever. Interesting. But yeah, then Sam looks up in the sky, and I assume that this star is probably uh, Arendel, uh, Arendel. Oh yeah, because that's the that's the same star that um the the file of Galadriel has, right? Right. So I I assume that that's what mm -hmm. the star is probably supposed to be. You know, the star that is and represents the greatest hero of the first age, mm. like hope from the past coming through to the future to let them know that things are going to be OK. Right. But this is what you wanted to talk about. It is. Oh, man. So uh, when uh, we were talking about what minutes I, I might want to come on for, I mean, I, I had 240 minutes to pick from. <laughs> and uh of course, I picked the five minutes that had the most walking through Mordor, uh, but yep. <laughs> I wanted this scene because I love this part of the book. Um, and I love this shot of the one star peeking through, to use Tolkien's words, the cloud rack, the, the, the torrent of clouds that are going by. And it's just this passing, fleeting glimpse. And yet in the movie first, Notice how that one star is enough to illuminate both Sam and Frodo. They they totally light up like they're under a spotlight. Mm -hmm. And so just that one star has enough power in this dark place to light up their surroundings. Because in about just second 32, it's like someone is putting the dimmer switch to medium from off to medium. And all of a sudden we get all this, this light that comes upon Sam and Frodo's face. The fact that that's possible at all in the midst of Mordor is a really powerful message that even in the darkest place, even in hell on earth, there is still hope. There is still a light that comes from beyond this dark and terrible thing that gives strength and gives light. Uh, in the original book, this scene happens earlier on. It happens right after Sam and Frodo flee from Kirith Ungle and they're making their way through the ravine uh, as they, they make their way towards the Black Gate. They try to head towards Mount Doom and they're hiding under a bramble bush and Sam is keeping watch and looks up and sees the star and hope returns to him. Mm -hmm. And it, it the what comes with that hope is this really beautiful line that the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. You know, I think this Tolkien guy might have a future in writing. Uh... <laughs> right. Like people criticize Tolkien's writing, but I think at times his prose is exceptionally beautiful. Yeah. It's very poetic. Yeah. He, he has his moments. Yes. There's, there's a lot of, stuff about roads sometimes as we talked about yes. earlier this yes. week but every so often you just you just get this this gem and i think this is one of those moments 
uh, to speak and, and based on everything that we've seen so far in this movie, we've seen the strength of the Nazgul. We've seen the despair that they caused in Gondor. We have seen the the terror that they've been able to wreak. We have witnessed the strength of Sauron's forces. We've had all of these orcs, and then to be sold, told that the shadow is only a small and passing thing. It it it, it yeah. is this entrance into a wider horizon and like 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 you said this star is no doubt meant to be the star of Arendil the mariner who bears the light of the silmaril on his brow that captured the light of the the un, of the, the 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 trees before the sun and moon existed and that light is in the file of of galadriel and it is a reminder that there is an ongoing story that is bigger than sam and frodo and it is a story, yes, filled with tragedy, yes, filled with sacrifice, yes, filled with sorrow, but is ultimately one of hope that there is light and high beauty forever beyond the reach of shadow. Uh, I think yeah. one of the themes in Tolkien it, that he brings out is that evil is not able to comprehend good. It does not enter Sauron's mind as even a remote possibility until it's too late that the heroes might actually destroy the ring. Wait, oh, wait, wait a minute. I see that hobbit right. there. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Sauron can't imagine that anything no. would be able to, to surpass his own will to dominate and destroy right. the thing that represents that power of his. Yeah, exactly. Cannot believe anything and, could be strong enough to do so. And that's precisely why the shadow is so limited. It cannot look outside of itself. Uh, there's uh, again, Saint Augustine keeps coming up, but he he talked about this this tendency of human beings to to be curvatus in se, to be kind of curved or caved in on ourselves through sin, and that's what Sauron is. Sauron is so self obsessed that he can't think of an act of self sacrifice that throwing away the ring would be. But that's always how good has triumphed. Why? Why is Arendil set to sail the sky forever? Because he set out for the blessed lands in order to get the help of the Valar to defeat Margoth. He sacrificed everything to set sail and has then been given as this reward. Uh, he's been given the position of being that sign of hope that there is always a way to reach the powers of good. And no matter how dark things may be, Arendelle, the Mariner, has gone before. And so I, I would make the argument that Arendelle is yet another kind of Christ figure in the, the Old Testament way of understanding, however, kind of foreshadowing of salvation through and against all odds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the, what, I, what I would have loved to have seen in this scene and in this adaptation of it is to see what happens next in the book. Because after Sam sees the star... He just goes and falls asleep (laughs) and just trusts that everything is going to work out. And it's this marvelous expression of hope. Now, we we would say, that's the stupidest thing you could possibly do, Sam. Oh, my gosh, there are orcs looking for you everywhere. But the hope is so strong for him that there is ultimately light and high beauty beyond the reach of the shadow that he can afford to sleep next to his master so that he can be as strong as possible for the next day. Um, And in fact, in the next line of the book, it says that Sam felt almost rested. He felt almost back to full strength. Frodo wasn't because he's carrying the ring. But for Sam, that hope is enough. And it's 
what motivates his heroism that's going to be coming up later here in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I just, you know, the, the, the fact that Tolkien is so, how would I put this? He is so immersed in his story. He, however, does not lose sight of an ability to give hope, even in the darkest place in the narrative. Oh man. I just, I just love this shot of the star. Mm-hmm. Hope is easily the most important theme of this story. Is uh, the when uh, at at the end of Two Towers, Sam's little speech to Frodo that turns Faramir's heart is the theme of this whole story given to Sam to tell us. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Across all those Look shots, to camera. The, yeah, across <laughs> all those shots of the sun coming out and the Rohirrim cleaning up Helm's Deep and the and Gandalf being just happy to see that Aragorn is still alive and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Faramir just can't believe how stout of heart and wise and good this tiny little dude is. <laughs> and he lets them go. Hope comes from a transcendent source. And, and as a Christian, I see that as a really necessary part uh, of hope. It's not enough just to believe that, well, everything will work out. It'll all be fine. Yeah, sure. There's a giant volcano and an evil eye and a whole orc army, but <laughs> everything's going to be great. You guys No, that that's that's silly. That's Pollyannish. For the hope to be real, it has to be placed in something that is beyond the reach of the shadow. And uh, I would state the case that that's ultimately found in God, that uh, ultimately everything that exists has been called into existence because God is love. And that the very foundation of reality is self-gift, that God desires to give of himself so much that it brings the world into existence. And because of that, we are able to have hope that no matter how dark things may be, no matter how Mordor-like our society, our world may feel, still the foundation of reality is love, that there is light and high beauty beyond the reach of the shadow. And that gives us the strength to keep moving forward and to keep doing the thing that we know we need to do in order to resist the Mordors and, uh, of our day, to resist the orcs of our day, to cast aside the rings that we all carry. It's because there is that light, there is that beauty that's calling us on that uh, is able to keep us from saying, well, the shadow wins. Well, the darkness is just all that there is and we just need to get comfortable here in Mordor. No, the hope is real when it's placed in something transcendent. Yeah, this moment is so good. I guess on set too, when they're filming this, uh, Fran was playing violin on set. What? Yeah, it's something that Sean Astin brings up in the commentary. Wow. She's playing (laughs) violin about this hopeful moment that this scene is about. Yeah. Just playing them these nice, wonderful songs on the violin. Well, I like that they're um, in the score. It's just like a, a fugue of violins, too. So yeah. that's interesting. Right. They had an idea of kind of what they wanted, I guess. Yeah. But I think it's 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 interesting and telling, too, in this in the context of the scene that while Sam looks upward and sees this hope, Frodo doesn't experience it. He's struggling in his sleep. Yeah. The weight of the ring prevents him from even seeing this moment and sharing in it with Sam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why he needs Sam. Right, exactly. Frodo is absolutely approaching his lowest point at the at this time in the narrative. Yes. Frodo can't see anything beyond 
Sam right now. There's just the ring and Sam, and that's all there is to Frodo. Mm -hmm. And in order to protect Sam from the ring, he has to keep moving forward. He has to destroy this thing. Right. What a guy. Yep. Getting all verklempt. <laughs> I like, too, that, like, Sam's first impulse on seeing the star isn't, like, um, like taking it in for himself. Like, he's like, look, Mr. Frodo. Like, he, like yeah. his, first, his first impulse is, like, I need to share this with my best friend who is struggling right now. Yeah. Which is, like, making me super emotional. <laughs> share this moment of hope with the person that needs it more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we're, we're, and that's what we're called to be. We're called to be ministers of hope to others. Uh, that hope is never just something for us. It is something that's meant to be shared. And hope opens us up to others in, in order to be a source of encouragement. Uh, the, the good is diffusive of itself. Good things don't want to stay contained and locked up, but they want to spread themselves out. You know, when I'm having a good time, I want everyone around me to have a good time. And mm -hmm. then the flip side of that, of course, is that when I'm having a bad time, there's nothing worse than someone having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, this is also another one of those times where I think there's narrative parallel between Sam and Aragorn, mm -hmm. because Aragorn's reason for going to the Black Gate is to give Frodo the, the oh, time okay. he needs and hope yeah. and, and giving hope to themselves that Frodo can succeed. Whereas right. Sam is directly with Frodo, trying to provide that same hope, buying that same time for Frodo. I was thinking about that too earlier on when we were talking about um, like his little hero shot. Yeah. Because um, like earlier on in the week, we have like Aragorn's like I'm a king now on his yep. horse riding very, in the battle. Very stern. Yeah. I'm on a horse. Look at my horse. <laughs> yeah. My horse is amazing. <laughs> yep. I don't know that I appreciated Sam. Um, I mean, I did, but like before starting this project, I feel like I've grown to appreciate Sam more. More and more. Yeah. yeah. Much like Boromir. Much like Boromir. But Boromir, I didn't like. At all. At all before starting this. <laughs> right. But picking picking the narrative of Fellowship apart like we did, you just can't help but fall for the character of Boromir. Yes. Yeah. Because. I don't Boromir know, benefits a lot in the adaptation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, much more interesting than he is in the book. Yes. I, I did well, like I that mean, change for Boromir. Boromir too. There's that the the Christian thought of of redemption. His last yes. act is an act of self sacrifice and redemption. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is very explicit. It's explicit in the movie. Yeah, it's explicit in the movie. It's it's kind of implied in the book, but I think they do a better job of teasing that out to strengthen Boromir's character. That ultimately he dies a hero. He dies a true son of Gondor. Uh, having mm -hmm. repented for momentarily giving in to that libido dominandi, that desire to dominate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you want to continue to to layer uh, uh, Christian themes on top of it, the line "I would have called you king" when given when when said to Aragorn as a Christ figure in this story is even more loaded. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's true. Good job, Norman. Yeah, if only if, on, if only Judas had a moment of redemption. <laughs> then the story i feel like would be uh much different right <laughs> well that's yeah well judas's problem is that he despairs and he doesn't think he can be forgiven and so he doesn't even take an opportunity for uh self-sacrifice like boromir does because boromir could have wallowed in his sin 
he could have said, oh my gosh, I've really screwed up. I've threatened the quest. I've driven the ring bearer away. And I could easily imagine Boromir, proud warrior that he is, just falling on his sword. But instead, Boromir sees his chance to redeem himself and kind of vicariously uh, making the right choice when it comes to Frodo by protecting Merry and Pippin. For mm-hmm. Judas, uh, when Judas realizes what he has done wrong, he wallows in his sin and just tries to throw the money back rather than actually attempting reconciliation. He doesn't attempt to find where Jesus is buried. He doesn't attempt to find the other apostles. He just, he turns in on himself Mm -hmm. and ultimately hangs himself because he thinks he can't be forgiven. He has screwed up too much to be forgiven. And so he experiences the opposite of hope, despair, that he has no option. He just has to give up. Um, for Sam, Sam doesn't know the words give up. Uh, Sam is so hopeful. He, he thinks there is always an option and he never thinks about, well, what happens after we destroy the ring? No, no, not going to think about that yet. I mean, we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll get there when we get there. Let's take this one step at a time. And for Boromir, Boromir finds that option for redemption in protecting Merry and Pippin. Yeah. I think what's important about Boromir too, we talk about Boromir so much. I think what's important about Boromir and his act of self-sacrifice uh, in the in the movie movie adaptation is that it doesn't seem to come from a place of feeling like he's doing it to redeem himself. It's simply doing it doing because the it's right the right thing, thing to yeah. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't Which have, is the purest it, it, kind of redemption. Right. Yeah. He doesn't think it's going to get Frodo to forgive him. He just sees it as the right thing to save Merry and Pippin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think that's because the influence of the ring, like he's out of the sphere. Of right, the exactly. Of the ring. For, uh, oh, he's, yeah. he's a good man that was tempted by the ring and without the ring's influence, he realizes what happened. Right, yeah. That's that's the thing. Uh, and oh, then yeah. he's, that's what played directly against... Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> this is not my beautiful house. <laughs> <laughs> this is not my beautiful ring. <laughs> and then that's... It, in direct contrast to, to Aragorn right after that, where Aragorn is offered the ring by Frodo and turns it away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. was, that was two whole movies ago. It was two whole movies ago. <laughs> and still one of my favorite scenes of the that trilogy. Was, yeah. That was over five hours ago. Right. Yes, it was. Frodo, you should run. Crosses himself with a sword, turns around and kills like 20 orcs. Yep. That was... That was two movies ago, and we talked about today some and all kinds of I other know, stuff. It was a good discussion. Yeah, it was a good discussion. I will, I will always talk about. Boromir I hope it was and, and the theming of who Boromir <laughs> was, because I think he has the most complex character arc of anyone in these movies. Mm. Uh, so always willing to talk about Boromir. But yeah, uh, thanks for joining us today, Father. Yeah, you're you're uh, so welcome. You and just why well, I think it's appropriate to talk about Boromir because, of course, here we are simply walking into Mordor. Yes. <laughs> Through Mordor, about Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Sam doesn't know the word no. He doesn't. One mm-hmm. one does not simply. Well, Sam looks at Boromir and says, I do everything simply. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Sam says, hold yeah. my beer. <laughs> hold this half pint. That sign won't stop me. I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say? <laughs> yeah. I think we had some, some fun discussion today. Uh, if you want to join in on this discussion about any of the themes we talked about today, about about Boromir, you can head on over to the to the listener group, the Fellowship of the Mic. Uh, you can also simply contribute memes if if you so desire. 
I'll always in for a meme. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to uh, finish out the week. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.